You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. Jump up on your feet and give him praise this morning. If he's the reason why you've come today, come on, let's take a moment just to do that together. We worship your name, oh God. You are the reason we're here. It is all because of Jesus Christ, the hope that we have. You are worthy of our praise. We bless you, Lord. Father, we love you. We love you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We thank you that you're here today, God to do your work and your purpose in our lives. Do you love Jesus this morning? Man, he is such a good, good God. Well, while you're standing, why don't you grab your Bible? If you didn't bring your Bible, steal your neighbors. <laughs> Open that up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we're starting a new series entitled Decent and in Order. And it's our desire is to look at the, the, uh, just the way of church as God has designed so that we can grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many know anything that grows, you have to prepare, you have to nurture, you have to make ready. And so we're looking at this series, Decent in Order, and preparing our hearts for the greater work and preparing our hearts that we might grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they would be living and active in our midst and be a part of our lives. Anything, that's just, anything that exists is built on a foundation. It's established upon something or a structure. Your home is built on a, on a foundation. Your relationship is built on trust. The world was spoken to existence and it's established on the word of God. And this church, the church of Jesus Christ, is built upon the Holy Spirit. And God has a structure and an order and a way that things are to operate. And this morning we're going to take a look over these next couple of weeks, kicking off today, of just readying our hearts and uh, looking at what it is to be decent and in order. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. As we look at this this morning, starting with verse 36. Verse 36, Paul's writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and he's getting to the end of a section. And uh, he's speaking directly to the church, and here's how he wraps this part up as he's writing to the church. And we're going to look at this this morning as we begin this series. Paul says, do you think that the knowledge of God's word begins and ends with you, Corinthians? Paul says, well, you are mistaken. How many know that you're not going to grow in the wisdom and knowledge if you already think you know it all? Just ask a teenager how much wisdom they're going to gain when they already know it. And don't, before you ask the teenager, remember you used to be one. Remember how hard it was to learn something when you knew it all? Paul's saying to the church in Corinth, do you think that you guys have this all figured out? Do you think you're the church on the block that has it all together, that has it all going, that has everything perfect and everything in place? He says, don't you realize that there's still room to grow? He says, if you think you know it all, he said, you're mistaken. If you claim to be a prophet or think you are very spiritual, you should recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord. Now, the command is everything else he gives from chapter 11 and and even before that, but specifically at chapter 11, he's starting to talk to the church. We're going to look at that over the next couple of weeks, pull that apart and and, uh, look at at, uh, how we grow in those things. But he says, you should realize that that is a command from the Lord himself. But if you don't recognize this, you will not be recognized. I like what it says in another translation. But if you want to be ignorant, then stay ignorant. Paul's saying if you want to be dumb about it, then go ahead and stay there. 
If that's all the more you want to grow in the gifts, if that's all the more you want to grow in the presence of God, if that's it, then stay there. Paul says, if you want to carry yourself like you have this all figured out, like you know everything, he says, if you want to remain there, then remain there. But how many know we don't want to remain there? I want to see God like I've never seen God before. I want to grow in the gifts. I want to see the greater things, that there's still more. How many believe there's still more in Jesus' name that he has for us? Amen? That there's still more. Verse 39, so dear brothers and sisters, be eager. Everybody say, be eager. Be eager. Strong desire. Be eager. Be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. But, he wraps it all up. This is, this is the bow that he puts on this whole section as he's talking to the church. He said, I've given you all the things from chapter 11 on that we can, we can look at. He says, but here's what it is. But let everything you do be sure that everything is done decent and in order. Be sure that everything is done decent and in order. How many say, God, help us to be a church and a people that are decent and in order. That we might see the things that you have not come to the place where we figured it out, all, all of it. We know it all and we're stuck in our own ways. But that we open our, allow you to move us into a place that it would flow freely. That the presence of God would flow in our midst and God would do greater things in our world. How many believe that this morning? Father, today we ask, God, that you would open our eyes and our hearts, Lord, not only to hear your word, but to be ready to respond, and God, that we would grow in the gifts of your spirit. I thank you for the gifts of the spirit that you've given to the church, and Lord, we know that they are for today. So God, I pray that you would prepare this church, this body, that Lord, we might grow in the greater gifts. Lord, if there's some here today, Father, they've not yet been filled. Lord, I know there's some not yet been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I ask, God, that you would give us understanding. God, that you would work in every way, remove every distraction, remove everything that would hinder, remove our preconceived ideas, and help us today see the truth of your word. God, not as we can share it, but as your truth and your spirit reveals it. So God, reveal it to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Before you're seated, here's, here's the title this morning. The title today is this, House Goals. So we're going to talk about house goals. So before you're seated, just look around some people and tell them that we got goals. Just tell them that we got goals. We got goals here. We got goals. Growing up as a, uh, as a young kid, I had friends. And some of my friends that I'd hang out with, I quickly realized that when I hung out with them, that not everybody did things the same way we did them in our house. When I would go to a friend's house, they had a different way of doing things. There's a different way of things happening in their house. I realized this early on, and dinner time is the prime example. Dinner is different in every place that you might go. We can have uh, uh, the dinner setting, but when you go to certain people's homes, even dinner, it's the same thing. You're going to eat a meal, but there's a different process in some homes that I go and visit. I remember my friend Mitch's. I went to Mitch's house, and we're hanging out, and it's time to eat. I'm spending the weekend there. We're, we're spending time together. It's time to eat and we all sit down to eat and before they pray which is no big deal we did that at our house you pray before the meal we did that at our house but before we prayed Mitch's dad pulled out the bible and he began to read scripture now where I went my home mom would say things like hurry up and get to the table before the food gets cold 
And I'm thinking, I don't know what Mitch's mama is thinking because dad's reading some verses and the food is right in front of us. And my mama would say, don't let the food get cold. But Mitch's dad would read some scripture and then they, they would pray and then they would eat. I'd say to Mitch, I said, man, do you guys do that all the time? He said, yeah. My dad says that we feed our spirit before we feed our body. I said, man, that's cool. We don't do that at my house, but that's cool. I went to another friend's house. It was Wayne's house. And, and we were hanging out at Wayne's house. And we're sitting down and we're getting ready to eat. And at Wayne's house, they prayed. We do that at my house. That's how I grew up. But before we prayed, all of a sudden, I'm sitting between Wayne and his dad. His dad, much bigger than me, reaches out his big hand and begins to grab my hand. And I'm like, what is going on right now? His big hairy arm comes around and grabs my hand. He pats it and then squeezes. I'm like, what? This is weird. And then I take Wayne's hand, and then I'm looking around, and I realize that before they pray, they all join hands around the table. So, we didn't do that at my house, but that's cool. You did that at your house. That's cool, but we don't do that at my house. I was even at a friend's house sometimes, and, and there are friends that I go to eat with, and they didn't pray before they ate. They, they would just sit down, and, and they would all say, we're all here, so they jump into the food. They didn't pray at their house, but whenever they came to my house, they prayed at my house before the meal because that's what we did at my house. I've even heard some families that when the meal is over and it's, we're done eating, someone, mom gets up and passes a pack of gum around the entire house and everybody are around the table and the last serving is everybody gets a piece of gum. Why? Because they want to have fresh breath. That's cool. I don't do that at my house, but that's what you do at your house. Probably the most interesting memory I have from going to a friend's house was Bruce's house. Bruce was a friend of mine that I enjoyed eating at his house. I would show up just to eat because his mom was from the South, like my mom, and they knew how to cook. No offense to other ladies that aren't from the South, that, or guys for that matter. How about we move on? And they, it was a good, good moment as we would hang out with Bruce. And, and I'm at Bruce's house. This is the most memorable moment of, we don't do that at my house. Bruce's dad, of course, they opened with prayer. They had prayer before we ate. And so the food goes around. Everybody eats. Everybody eats good. At the end of eating, Bruce's dad leans back in his chair, pats his belly, and lets out the most intentional, loud belch I've ever heard. He then says, honey, that was good, to which she smiles and says, oh, thanks, babe. I'm thinking that's a weird way of communication. I just saw your dad belch across the table to your mom, and she smiled right back and said, thanks, babe. You do that at your house, but my dad doesn't do that at my house. You might have a way of doing that at your house, but that's not how we did it at my house. You see, the rec recognizing this, that sometimes there's differences of how we do things, and sometimes we can get caught up in identifying right or wrong, when sometimes it's not a matter of right and wrong, it's a matter of preference, and it's a matter of experience. I grew up a certain way in my home, and we ate dinner a certain way in a certain process. It might be different at your home, but the bottom line is this, you got the nutrition, you got what you needed, you ate the meal, and you got what you needed from the meal. I want you to know that the way we do things in the church might not look the way it happens at another church. I remember having friends, and I'd go to them, go with them to church, and, and uh, we're sitting in church and, and uh, going to their church, and all of a sudden, I grew up in church, and it's time to, time to worship. The song, sing, the song begins. I raise my hand, and I start, start to worship, and the, the friend that I'm with says, hey, dude, we don't answer questions here. What are you doing? What's up? <laughs> Worshiping. We don't do that here. Oh, we don't do that. I... I just because we do things different in other places doesn't make one right or wrong. What matters is that we know the why and the heart behind what we're doing. We might have a different way of coming to the table to eat the meal and to receive from God. 
And sometimes we get so caught up in the how that we miss the why. And the disorder that happens in the church is that we can tend to make so much about the how and we build doctrine, we build philosophies, we build ideas, we build everything around the how and we forget about the why. The how doesn't mean anything if we don't understand the why. It doesn't matter if you speak in other tongues or you have these moments, well, I don't go to a dead church. You know what? I think sometimes I grew up in Pentecost all my life. And you know what I did? I had to learn in my teenage years, into college years, I had to learn there's moments where you need to be still and just be quiet before the Lord. I wasn't used to that. I went to church where we did Nobody was still. What, you, what is wrong? You're dead. Get real. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Woo, woo, woo. I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. Oh. And then I go to other churches and I'm like, man, what's wrong with these people? You know, I had to learn there was nothing wrong with them. They had a different way. But the moment I begin to say, oh, I've got something they don't have, I elevate myself and I begin to position myself to a, too bad you're not like me going to a church I go to and having what I have. And the gifts of the Spirit, unfortunately, instead of being what is meant to build the church, becomes a status that identifies us for whether or not we can have position in the church. Whoops. What was meant to be a gift that we might propel and operate in power to see a world change becomes something that just became whether or not... Let's see, do you... I realize there's places that we have to have distinction... But God help us in the moments of distinction that we don't stop and allow the gift of God to become extinct because we're more worried about being distinguished and forgetting about carrying out the work of God that we might see the gospel of Jesus Christ propelled throughout all the world. They might not do it that way at your house. Like my dad used to say, as long as you're under... No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to say that here. (laughs) I want you to hear this morning, it's not a right or wrong. Is it right to raise hands or not to raise hands? It's not a right or wrong. Is it right to to have uh, times of quiet? It's not one or the other. It's both. There are times I need to be still before the Lord. There's times I need to shout. There's times I need to sit in reverence. And there's times I need to pray in the spirit. There's there's times. And here's what we can tend to do. See, because I've been around other people's homes and they don't do things the way I do things. And Jody and I have learned in 18 years of marriage that we've started some things in our, in our, in our marriage and in, our, in our, our home. There are things that we didn't do. But when we met other families and learned that what they did, we kind of said, hey, we don't do that at our house. But that's kind of cool. And we took what they did at their house and started applying it to our house. You hear what I'm saying? And the body of Christ is supposed to be the same way. That I don't look at another brother and say, you don't do it like I do it. And he doesn't look and say, you don't do it like I do it. But we look and say, hey, you know what? You do that at your house. I could learn from that. I could do that at my house. I could learn. Rather than being in this place and pitting ourselves in a place where we've got what they don't, we forget that maybe they've got something we don't. And we could learn to grow together because the Spirit of God is given to everybody. And Paul would say to the church in Corinth, if you think you have it all, if you think it ends and begins with you, you are mistaken. And I'm saying to you today, I don't want to be mistaken to think that I'm the only man on the block who has it all figured out. And the only thing I preach is all the right thing and I can't learn anything from anybody else. Here's what I know. I don't know it all. I'm doing my best to know and rightly divide this word. 
But I know this, I need the body of Christ together to help me understand even more what this word is meant to say. And when we position ourselves to learn from one another, when we come to a place and the Holy Spirit doesn't just become a status symbol of whether we go to a dead church or a live church, whether we have exciting services or not exciting services, not that at all, but whether or not God is able to use me freely in the work that he's called me to do. It's not enough to have the what if I don't understand the why. If I don't understand why it is that he's given me what he's given me for this purpose, that there's a why, there's a different way of doing things, and that's all right. You've got a different way of doing things at your house. You and your wife have a different way of doing things than my wife and I. My, my wife and I, we, we might be at a place where this is how, we, uh, how we've done things in our home and how things happen for us, and you might look and say, well, that's weird. That's all right. You might think it's weird that it doesn't matter where I am, that anything that's going on, she reaches out to me and comes and gives me a kiss and, and says goodnight and looks for. I, I know to some people, some of you are like, well, dad, that's normal. But then there are some homes where it's like, well, that's no big deal. What's the big deal? We have a way of doing things. And there's a way that we do things. I want us to understand here at Faith Assembly, there's a way that we do things. Houses have a different way, but our desire is this. God, give us wisdom to understand the differences and be certain that we are embracing and developing what really matters. I have a thought. I'll save it for another week. Because I believe God wants us to grow. So that just means you've got to come back the next couple weeks. God wants us to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I was 13 years old when God filled me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Began At, at the age of 13, that's when I, um, I began to pray in tongues. Um, grew up in that all my life, was, was exposed to that. So for me, that wasn't, that wasn't unusual. Um, I grew up around it. But I had to learn how and what the purpose and really be strengthened in that. Because I got to be honest, it became one of those things that I had it and my other friends didn't. And so the temptation was to think, oh, I got what you don't have. Where did that attitude ever come from Scripture? That we've got to understand if we receive something, that we grow in the purpose of what it is that God has called us to do. That when we do things decent and in order, I believe that when we set things in the proper order, God will allow his spirit to naturally flow and we'll see even more of God's manifestation and more of God's spirit. How many believe that? It will be an increase that when we set the course for it to be decent and in order, when we understand the why and we don't just get caught up in celebrating the how. Jaden was telling me she was uh, having some devotions and something she read or heard said that too often we get caught up celebrating or worshiping the anointing and forget to worship the anointed one. And sometimes I think that's true, that we can do that. We can worship the presence of God and forget the God of the presence. That we can get excited about the the experience and what it is, but not really grow and allow that to take root in us and to develop what God will want to accomplish. That what, but when we set things in order, it becomes an open door. Let me give you some background of Corinth. Paul is writing this letter, and he's writing to the church in Corinth. He had planted this church in his second missionary journey. Paul is now no longer in Corinth. He's planted the church. He's gone on in ministry. He's now in Ephesus. And while he's in Ephesus, God is pouring out his spirit in Ephesus. Great things are happening. While in Ephesus, Paul gets a letter from the church in Corinth saying, Paul, you got to come. 
We got problems in the church. We got, we got leaders that are having sexual uh, immoral relationships. We've got a uh, 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 power struggle. We've got issues. There's stuff going on in the church. We've got abuse of power. All these things are taking place. You got to come and you got to set this in order. Paul, of course, not able to go at the time. He writes a letter. He says, I'll deal with you in person, but here's a letter. He writes 1 Corinthians, and he gives them this letter. Now, you got to understand Corinth at that time. Corinth is a Roman empire. It's, it's operated by, by the Roman empire. It is a hub city in what was a Greek-heavy a Greek area, but it's a hub city because there are three harbors that surround it. And so it became a place where everybody would come to. But not only everybody would come there, but a heavy Greek population... <coughs> Excuse me. And the Greeks had built a tabernacle and literally the Greek tabernacle was built so that they might worship sex. They would literally go there. That's where the prostitutes would be found. That's where such the the fornication, just sin that infiltrated that whole city. It was a carnal, messed up city. You've got the Greeks who are worshiping in their temple, the God of sex. You've got the Romans who are empowering, who have who are authority and lording over people. And then you've got the church that's been planted. The problem that was going on is that the culture, the immorality and the, un- and the, the immoral ways of leadership and the things that were going on in the culture had crept into the church. How many know we need watchmen and watchwomen who stand on the walls and make sure that the stuff of the culture doesn't get into the church, but that the stuff in the church gets out into the culture? Sorry, that was the place I want to say it in myself. I mean, woo! And we don't need the culture to come in to the church. We need the church to go out into the culture that we become light in a dark world, that we shine the light of Jesus Christ. Here in Corinth, what is happening is that the church had been so infiltrated, literally leaders that are in relationships that they should not be in. And Paul says, I'm going to set this in order. So you read the first part of Corinthians, and he deals with some of the sexual sins. He says, and that's why you read the first part, he says about, about the, the sin of immorality and all the stuff. But then you look at chapters 11 to 14. This is where we're going to be focused for the next five weeks. Chapters 11 to 14, he gives us some distinct instruction of how to set the church in order. That our services and what we do would be done proper and in order. Because you had people who were in a place that there was such an abuse that even in the church there were folks who were saying, if you if you know in a place, Paul said these words. He said, you all think you speak in tongues, but I speak in tongues more than all of you guys. You can go back and read it, but what Paul was saying is, you guys are speaking in tongues and hiding behind speaking in tongues and carrying on fornication. You're not treating each other right. You're not living according to God's word, and you're hiding under the badge of what you got. Paul says, I do it more than you guys. It doesn't even count. That's not the point. The point isn't about about the gifts of the Spirit. The point is about the work of God that's taking place. We don't come to serve the gifts. The gifts come to help us serve the kingdom. Let me say that again. We don't serve the gifts. The gifts are given that we might serve the kingdom. And when we, dis- when we distinguish and try and put things in place, and when we camp out that it's gifts, we miss the purpose, and the- we get more focused on the how. And we miss the why. But if you just focus on the why, God will make sure you have the how. You focus on what the kingdom of God has called you to do. He'll take care of giving you what you need at the time you need it. Don't focus on the how, you just focus on the why. What it is that he's put in our heart to accomplish. Corinth, of course, being the hub, and this was the, the motto that surrounded the land. Do what feels good to you. That's what was going on in Corinth. Corinth was all wrapped up in their politics and in their immorality and everything that was going on. How many know that that sounds like America today? 
It's the culture that we're in. Do what feels good to you. And that crept into the church where it, be, it created such an individualistic idea. They were I'm not speaking in tongues, I promise. There was an individual. <laughs> they had this individualistic idea. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. It crept into the church where everybody does. Make sure you're all awake now. Everybody's good. Everybody did what felt good to them. And sometimes we can allow that same culture to get into our church. I shouldn't say that. Into our mentality sometimes. And so what we need to do is make sure that it's decent and in order. That we set things in their proper place. That we don't do things according to what feels good to us. Now, I want to take a look at these words, decent and in order, even from what they mean, okay? Put these in context. Number one, decent. Anything that is decent means to be done in a way that is honorable or something that is influential. But it speaks even more to the heart of motive and intent. When you do something decent, it represents a motive that you have behind it. You don't just, you, you, um, if you're getting ready to go out on a date or uh, you know, your, your spouse, you guys are getting ready to go out, you're making yourself decent. And as you're dressing up, you're not just dressing up for the sake of dressing up. There's an intent that you're looking to bring attention or influence or to give an influence. You have a motive and an intent for doing what you're doing. How many know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. There's always intent. God doesn't save us and get rid of our motives. He purifies our motives doesn't mean that we don't ever have any more motive. It means that our motives get purified. That God gives us the right motives. He gives us the right intent. That when we do things that are decent, it says that we've got the right motive and intention for doing what we do. When we receive the gifts, when we operate in worship, when we do what we do, whether you stand on this stage to sing or you greet at the door, you have a motive and an intent that is set in order. It's decent. We come to church decent. This isn't just how we, what we do in church. It's the why of what we do church. The why that we have parking attendants. The why that we have people as a hospitable team. That we have people that are serving on, on care ministry and things that we do. It's the why behind it. It's not because, well, these people need something to do and they feel really special if we give them something to do. That's not the motive. That's not the why behind we do what we do. The why is because we have the opportunity to present a decent presentation. How many know that God said himself to Samuel, he said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Can I tell you, Faith Assembly, we're not trying to reach God. He already reached us. We're trying to reach the lost world of Fayette County. So we've got to do what we do decent that we might present in an intentional motive and what we do in a decent way. We want people to come to this church to say, hey, they're serious about what they do. They give excellence to what they do. They're doing what they're doing the best that they can. And I'm saying we're doing it the best we can, but there's still better that we can do. We just need more people to help out to do it better. Because we want to be decent. We want to present to it in a decent way. But why? Because our motive and our intent is to shine on Jesus Christ and let our world know that we serve a God who is worthy of all of our praise and we're going to give him the best we've got. It's decent. It's decent. Here's the other thing. It's in order. Whenever we do things that are in order, it speaks to this purpose that we are well planned and properly executed. Something that's done in order. In fact, Josephus, who was a commander... In a Roman army, he used this same word in order from, their, from that, that, uh, that, that same origin. 
And here's how he used the word. He says that they were in order. And the way he speaks of, of the, Roman, the Roman army and he speaks of the way that it was, it says they were deliberate, they were well-planned, and they were ordered in just the right strategic places. That they did the right things in such a way that it was set in good order. We sometimes can carry a mindset that God works better when we don't plan things. Can I tell you, that's hogwash. Wherever we caught this mindset that we shouldn't plan anything, God just works best with, with spontaneity. God is a God of spontaneity. But what I've learned is that I plan and God will direct my plans. God will direct what I plan. Here's what I'm doing. I'm making plans, but I'm saying, God, your spirit is above that. You can direct my plans. I'm giving you authority to direct the plans. God would much rather work with directing your plans than just trying to kick up something and you not being willing to work and do anything. There's got to be, when you plan, there sets an intention in your heart. When you set things in order, you're saying, I am moving towards this direction. I have an intent and a purpose. I am looking to see this accomplished. Why? Because I believe this is what God is putting in our heart to do. God is putting some dreams in our heart of some things to expand and things to do. And you know what? We've got to put plans in place. You don't just wake up one day and say, oh, let's do it. No, God has revealed it. How many know it's the Spirit of God that reveals? And the moment He reveals by His Spirit, I've now got to make plans to move those things forward. Not because I'm doing it, but I'm being led by His Spirit to make the plans that we're doing. I want you to know, we plan out our sermons as best we can. But we say, God, you're welcome any week to change it. You're welcome any time to do what you want. You're welcome to put every detail and everything together because this is yours. We just want you to know that with with our hearts of excellence, we want to be well-intentioned and well-set in order to see your work accomplished in our lives God tells us to plan he tells us to be organized and and to put things together here's the other thing about being in order whenever you do something in order you do it in order that something else might happen think about that I'm doing this in order I'm doing this in order that that might occur It's in order. It's a transition. It's a way to. I am saying what I'm doing in my worship and I'm moving in the gifts of the spirit. I want to be done decent and in order so that it might, it's moving in order so that the next thing that God might do even greater tomorrow, what he desires than what he's done today. How many, does that make sense to anybody this morning? That when we are decent and in order, he puts things in line and we begin to flow in a place that God can order our steps, that he can do the work that he desires to do. There's a different way of doing things. There's a different way of doing things in different homes. I want you to hear in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look what it says in verse 4 to 7. It says, there are different kinds of spirits, but the same spirit is the source of them all. By the way, spiritual gifts, there, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Those spiritual gifts are listed as tongues, interpretation, miracles, discernment, uh, the, all of the, the gifts that are listed, he says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but he is the same God who does the work in all of us. Now listen to this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Everybody say each of us. It's given to each of us. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a gift. They might not know what it is yet, but there's a gift. God has put the seed of his kingdom inside of you. How many are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? How many believe in the work that Jesus Christ has done? The Bible says that because of Jesus, the seed of the kingdom is inside of you. And how many know a seed is supposed to grow? A seed isn't just put in place to say, well, I got one. 
No, a seed is put in place so that it might grow, it might develop. There's the seed of the kingdom inside of you. And God says, I've given you a, a, a seed and it's proportioned to the gift that I've called you to. And what I've called you to do, there's a gift. If you know Jesus Christ, there's a gift of the spirit inside of you that you need the Holy Spirit to baptize you and bring out of you. Somebody say amen to that. How many believe in the gifts of the Spirit for today? How many believe that God still heals, that God still does miracles, that God still gives words of knowledge and tongues and interpretation and those things in our lives, the way that they process, that God wants to give that to us. We each need to grow in those gifts. He says, but a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Listen, why? Here's the why. As a means of helping the entire church. Why is it given to us that we might be a blessing and a help to one another? It's not that we might have a great encounter and a great experience, but that we might be empowered to do what God has called us to do, that the kingdom of God might advance because of what he enables us to do. He gives us a gift. Not so we can say, I got a gift. If I were to go out and give you a chainsaw, it's a gift. I'm giving you a chainsaw. And you say, oh, that's great. I don't know how to use a chainsaw. I'll just put it in my garage. How many know that's not why God gives you a gift? If someone gives you a chainsaw, don't you think it's pretty necessary that if you've got a chainsaw and all of a sudden you find out your neighbor's got some trees down, how many say you take the chainsaw, you take what you have to be a help to what the need is? God's given you what he, you need to do what God has called you to do. He's given you the ability. He's given you the gift that you might put that in action. He's given you the ability that you might come and be a help. Listen, don't ever lose sight that the purpose of the gifts are not to create a good worship service. I used to grow up with this kind of motto and way of thinking. Not way of thinking, I actually heard people tell me this. You know, it's been a long time since we've had a good service. We haven't had a message in tongues for a long time. God didn't say Here's spiritual gifts so you can qualify whether or not you've had a good worship service. He gave us gifts, and the the gifts that he's given us are not so that we can say, well, there it was. I I thank God. He gives us the gifts, but here's what he says to help one another. Let me go down to say what it is to help one another. He says this, dear brothers and sisters, verse verse, uh, 14, 16. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? Notice the gifts are given to help. Somebody say amen. I want, I want you to see this line drawn. He gave us the gifts that we might be a help to one another, right? That's the purpose of the gifts, that we might help one another. And he says, he says, if I come speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you, listen, and he breaks it down. If I bring you a revelation, a special knowledge, prophecy, or teaching, that will help you. Listen, what he's saying, there's nothing wrong with tongues, but the problem is that sometimes you just get caught up having the tongues, but the problem or the the emphasis is not just to have the gift, it's that the gift might produce special knowledge, that it might produce wisdom, that it might produce a revelation of what you would not have without that gift. Here's what I want to say to you. Who am I to say to the Baptist brother, you don't speak in tongues in your church, No one speaks in tongues in your church. The Holy Spirit doesn't move there. As a pastor of this church, I'm not standing on that ground. I will not. I will not position myself to act and say that what you're not experiencing, we're not, you're, no, 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 no. 
What I'm going to say is, God, help me to know the more decent way. Help me to know and understand. Because I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to pour those things out. And I would say to you today, not in any, just as Paul would say, hey, I pray in tongues. I pray in the Spirit. I, I, ask, I, I pray and worship. And we're going to talk about what that really means to pray in tongues in, in the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at what it means to have the gift of tongues and how we, how we develop that. Not develop it, but how we utilize that, what it's meant to do in the church But he says that will be helpful, that the gifts are meant to bring a help to one another. How many would agree with that this morning? We want to be a church that is helping and advancing the kingdom of God. I realize sometimes we might get in a place and say that we can sometimes feel as if, well, the way we've done things or things, how it's been, What we're saying to God is, God, we want to grow beyond what we've ever known before. We want to experience you in a greater way. We want to really know. We want to operate not in the gifts the way we've always done them or even the way we understood them. Because I'm saying to God today, God, I'm saying to you, I don't know it all. I need your spirit to reveal to me and help me grow in the work of what it is you want to do in my life. I want to be open to the things that God wants to do. That we need to have some goals. There's That that we establish a foundation that if we're going to grow in the spiritual gifts, here's what I'm saying to us. I believe that God is going to cause greater gifts of the Spirit to rise up out of this church. The gifts of the Spirit are going to flow in this church. Can I tell you what the Lord spoke to our heart? Those gifts aren't going to happen in this building. They're going to happen in the marketplace, in the public places of Fayette County. That people are going to lay their hands on the sick and people are going to be healed. That people are going to give a word of knowledge walking up to someone who needs a word of knowledge. Can I remind you that all of Jesus' miracles except for one, maybe two, no more than two, all of Jesus' miracles happened outside the sanctuary. And the only two that happened in the sanctuary was to correct the Pharisees. The only time Jesus did it in the building was to correct the Pharisees. Every other time he did the miracles outside. I'm saying to you, church, we're no longer. Let's not be content being a people that have just a place to come. We've got a place to go, more importantly, than we've got a place to come. Somebody say amen to that this morning. That we've got a place to go and not just a place to come. And God has given us, notice, when he gave them the gifts, what did that equip, equip them to do? To go out and speak boldly the work of the kingdom. The work of the kingdom. To do in their city. And what happened? 3,000 people got saved. Can I tell you that within a year, Fayette County is going to have an increase in church attendance. Not just Faith Assembly, but the churches of Fayette County are going to see in a month to two months time, thousands of people coming into the church and coming to know Jesus Christ. I, in my spirit, in my spirit, I'm telling you what, I see things that are in my spirit, and God is saying, get ready, and we're doing some things to prepare. We're starting the third service because we're getting ready. We're getting prepared. We believe, and not just here, but the church as a whole, that the work of God is going forth. The people who have prayed and and planted for decades and generations, it's coming time. It's a season that God is bringing us into, that the glory of God, that we won't just any longer. And here's, here's what's breaking. Here's what's breaking. We've had moves of God before, and everybody... 
Everybody rushed to the house of God for the move of God. This time, it's going to happen out there, and it's going to be in our, in our street corners, in our marketplaces, in our public places. It's going to be at a place where they won't have to come to find it, but we will go to where they are, and the hope of Jesus Christ, the seed of God's glory that's inside of us, is going to transform the world that we live in. I know some of you are like, my, 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 he's a crazy preacher talker. He called me for such a time as this. He brought you here for such a time as this. He put you and I together and our, our paths together for such a time as this. I didn't know you 30 years ago. I didn't know what God was doing in your life when he planted this church. I had no idea what was taking place, but God knew I was in my mother's womb. And God said, I got a calling in your life. And God planted a heart in me for Fayette County. And I love Fayette County better than any county in the world. This is the best place for God to do a work. And he's about ready to do something in our midst. If we open up our eyes and say, God, I want to see the work. That you have in store. Now listen, it's easy for me to be pep, pep, ha, 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 let's do that. You got to remember, it takes work. It takes work. And here's what we're saying. God, we want to be decent and in order so that the ministry and the work of God can flow out. Let me give you, uh, the, the worship team's going to come because when they start playing, I shut up quicker. <laughs> now that I told you that secret, people are going to be texting the worship team. He wants you up there now. <laughs> Go down. Down. Can I give you these five goals that we have? Listen, we call them house goals. We're calling them house goals that, listen, if we're going to do things decent and in order, it means we need to understand the why and prepare for the why. And there's some goals that help us get to the why. Here's the why, that we might help one another, help the entire church to become the body of Christ, that the kingdom of God might be expanded in our world. Is that Okay. Some of you are writing that down. That's okay. I always just like to see eyeballs and see if we're, this is getting through, you know, because someone said to me one time, would you quit saying, does this make sense? I'm like, nope, because that's just how I do it. I just, just you know, kind of that. Is there anybody else here? Anybody here today? Let me give you these goals. Some of them are going to so, seem so practical, but I want you to know God is preparing us. There's something about the fall. God keeps putting in my heart that this fall, this fall, something's happening this fall. Our team has heard it. I've told them a couple months ago. I'm just now being brave enough to say it in front of you. I want to pray these things through and say, God, what is it? Man, I see something going on at the State Theater. I see a worship service at the State Theater that the presence of God just comes and dwells at the heart of this, the county seat of Fayette County and the presence of God just released from the state theater. I just, I see it in my spirit. There's something about the fall. Would you pray with me and say, God, help us to be decent in order that the gifts of the spirit might flow, that we might not just have good services, but that we might be a church that sees the power of God go forth and that 300 added, or 3,000 added, 5,000 added, and then how'd they say, and then every day there were many more added such as should be saved. How many know there's some people in your neighborhoods, people in your schools, people in your workplaces, they need to be saved. You know what? They need the church to go in the power of the Spirit and to use the gifts of the Spirit that we might see our world transformed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You on board? I'm going to give you these five goals, and they're just going to spell out goals. Easiest way for me to remember. 
And I want you, if you agree with it, to say amen. Because here's our goal. If we're going to be decent and in order to grow in the Spirit, if we're going to see the Spirit of God grow, and we're going to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, here are some commitments I think we need to make together. Number one, we need to be guided by the Word of God. Everything we do must be based out of the Word of God. I want you to know this, church. In my, in my best ability before God, I promise before God and before this church that I will do all within me to the power of God to preach the gospel, to preach the Word of God without fault, without, without wavering, to preach the truth of God's Word, to rightly divide it as best I can. I pray for God's wisdom and strength that I might preach the gospel. That is my commitment unto the Lord because that's what He's called me to do. But do you know the other side? of that commitment it needs to be people who say we commit to live the word we commit to carry out the word we commit to allow the word to penetrate our heart that we're going to do our marriage and our homes and our decisions according to the word of God we're not going to make decisions according to what feels good we're going to make decisions according to this is what the word of God says how many know when you start living according to the word it's going to open up the door for blessings to flow when we start living the word as your pastor And as this pastoral team representing this team, we're going to do everything in God's power and anointing to properly preach the gospel. Not to be perfect, because we can't. But we're going to do everything in us to preach the gospel. But there needs to be a church of people that say, and we're going to do everything by God's grace to live out the word. We're not going to live according to how we feel. We're not going to make decisions according to how it affects us today and what we feel tomorrow. We're going to be people of the word. We're going to live it out. We're committed to be guided by the word of God. Somebody say amen to that. That's our goal, that everything I do, guided by the word of God. Number two, my second goal is this, to omit, starts with a no, so I had to use it or to get rid of distractions. Can I tell you, this is such a practical thing, but I want you to know the practical affects the spiritual. Jesus, when he fed 5,000, how many know that was a great miracle? But before he fed 5,000, the Bible says he sat them down in groups of 50. Jesus structured the crowd and put order in place so that the miracle might flow. He said order. I want you to know one of the practical things we need to do in church is get rid of distractions. Now you're going to think I'm on my preacher high horse. No, it's not a high horse. What do you call it? Soapbox? Please, I don't want to be on a high horse. If I'm on a high horse, kick my legs. But I'll stay back here. I just... But here's my soapbox. When the preacher says it's about ready to be done, oh, I'm going to get my coat on. It's time to leave. <laughs> Woo. Hey, that's called distractions. When, well, I just got to get up right now. Nobody's done that. You've never done that before, but I'm being a little exaggerated here, but but we got to get rid of distractions. Here's what distraction says. Distraction says my schedule, my stuff, what I've got going on is more important than what's being set in place right now. Not me. You're not more important than me, more important than the word that is being. Now listen, you might say, well, that's a soapbox. Get off your soapbox. I'm going to do everything in my power to be done on time, but I think we as a church, and I'm asking us as a church, I mean, we're all in this together. Wave your hand if you're in this with me. We're the body of Christ together. We're together. The church isn't a pastor's thing. This is not my church. This is not my church. You'll never hear me say my church. My God, I've got too much fear in me to say this is my church. This is not my church. This isn't your church. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. We are called to do the work that he has called us to do. This isn't ours. This is his. We need to get rid of distractions. He's got to go to work. That's all right. 
Let me give you the next one. A, we've got to be all in, all contributing. I hope you hear my heart here in that if we're going to have these goals, if we're going to say church is not just where we come and go, but church is where we come and we participate. We've got to be all contributing. Notice the Bible says they all or they each received a gift. You've got a gift. You've got something to offer. You might say, well, I don't have transportation. I don't have physical ability. I don't have, I want you to know you've got encouragement. You know, there are people that they just come and they give an encouraging word. You don't know what you've done to my spirit sometimes when you see me out and about and you just come and you speak a word of encouragement. There's some of you, you just randomly send me a text and it's at the moment you begin to speak a word of encouragement. Or maybe you're sending to somebody else or something else that you're sending a word of encouragement that you're building up the body of Christ. God's giving you a gift. How many want God to do greater things in your life? Then you need to start using the gift He's already given you. What we tend to do is we say, God, I need you to give me a gift. But God always activates a gift on faith. How did you receive salvation? How are you going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? By faith. So what faith is, faith is like the beggar who's sitting by the gate. And Peter said, we don't have any silver or gold, but what we have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Peter reaches out his hand. What did the man do in faith? The man took him by the hand. And the Bible says as he began to be pulled up, his legs begin to be set in order. The miracle didn't happen until he stepped out in faith. When you operate in faith, the gift that God has put in you, it'll open the door for the greater things that God has for you. When you begin to operate in what God has given you, it might seem like a little bit to give a word of encouragement. You give that word of encouragement and do it unto God. Do it for the glory of God because he's going to be begin to reveal and open up more. And sooner or later, you're going to develop the gift of the Spirit that you'll be able to give words of knowledge that you'll grow and you'll flow in this. It's not something that, wow, hits you one day and now you just go. No, it's a matter of stepping it out and practicing it in faith and living it out that we practice it we put it into practice we move ahead of it I gotta give you an L we're gonna wrap up I got five minutes here's L this is what we need to have a goal here at Faith Assembly to look out for one another I care about you I care about what's going on in your world I'm gonna look out for you listen if I know where your weakness is the last thing I'm gonna do is come in become an issue to your weakness Paul said it this way to have issues with eating meat and who does what look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 it says this so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of God don't give offense to the Jews or Gentiles or the church of God I too try to please everyone in everything I do I don't just do what is best for me I do what is best for others so others might be saved I don't just do what's best for me I do what is best for others that they might be saved somebody say amen my dad used to say it this way he he said when you go swimming and y'all know you met that person they're the obnoxious person in the pool that they don't care where you are they cannonball right beside you they splash you in the face and you're like trying to just enjoy the water and all of a sudden they're like all over the how many know that obnoxious swimmer it's Jaron at our house just kidding sorry my dad would say this when it comes time to be in the presence of God you can't just splash around not thinking there's anyone beside you 
you need to make sure that you do what's best for the community. You do what's best, not what's good for you, not what you enjoy. Listen, if that's what you enjoy, Paul addresses that. We're going to talk about that down a couple weeks down about communion. Then you should have done that at home. Don't make church come be the place where you just not make it about everybody else or about, about the community. What's best for the community? It's not just what's best for you. It's what's going to bring glory to God and what's going to enhance the kingdom of God. Paul is very practical. He's so practical that he says, get rid of distractions. And how many know just two verses before the one we read? Paul says, women should be quiet in the church. How many have ever read that scripture? How many have ever read that scripture? Come on, I hope some of you read your Bible. Come on, it's in there now. Come on. Paul wasn't saying they shouldn't preach or they shouldn't teach because he doesn't use the Greek word. And there have been some people foolish enough to say, well, there can't be women preachers. There can't be women leaders. That's garbage. Paul uses the word there that is not preaching because, in fact, he says earlier that women, when they pray in public, they ought to do in a certain way. So Paul gives them permission to pray and to speak in public. But what Paul is using, he's using this word, and we would relate it this way, chatter. Chatter. Paul is saying women should not chatter in church. Why is Paul saying that? Because in their culture, the women would sit in the back and the men sat up front. And sometimes when they were sitting up front and they were preaching, the women would stand up and say, hey, what did he say? In the middle of the sermon, they would stand up and yell at their husband. What's he mean by that? And Paul said, quit it. That's distracting. Paul's dealing with some practical things in the church. We've got to get rid of distractions. We've got to set things in order. We've got to look out for one another. Let me give you the last one. We're going to pray. Guided by the Word of God. Amen? Let's get rid of distractions. Omit distractions. We've got to be all contributing. We're all part of this. How many know potlucks are only good when everybody brings something to feed everybody? Bring something. Don't just come to get. Come to give. Give something. All contributing. Look out for one another. Here's the last one. Stay hungry. Our goal at Faith Assembly is to stay hungry. Don't ever quit being hungry for the presence of God. Stay hungry. And sometimes the best way to get hungry for the presence of God is to starve yourself on the other stuff, which is why we're calling a seven-day fast on May the 9th because the best way to get hungry for something is quit eating the junk food. It's hard to be hungry for something good when you've just eaten up on cookies. Paul says this in Corinthians, same place we can read in these chapters. You can't eat at the table of demons and at the table of God. You can't eat at both. And I believe practically for us, God is saying, if you want to develop a hunger for me, then you might need to fast and move away some other stuff. Because when you get away from other stuff, it creates a hunger for the things of God. Amen? Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Some guy, he says, stay thirsty, my friends. I don't, I don't get it. I'm like, it doesn't mean anything. You know? But God would say to us, stay hungry. Stay hungry, church. Stay hungry. Columbus, before he sailed the ocean blue, do you know he had a hard time getting finance for his trip? I read a story one time that the way the door opened for him to finally get some attention from the king and queen was that while he was taking long trips, he would travel for days going to other places to try and get finance for this idea. He and his son Diego were traveling into France and as they were on a long journey, they were hungry. 
and his son was so hungry that Columbus, as they're traveling, came into an area and they knew to go to the church, the parish. He said, my son is hungry, needs something to eat. He gave him bread. And the priest, who was intrigued by the, tra- the, the traveler, said, what are you doing? We're traveling. He began to spell out the idea. And he said, I met with the king and queen of Spain, and, and they've not given me attention. They've not given me time. And the priest said, well, I was the former confessor to the queen when she was a child. I will write a letter. And that letter became one of the things that gave attention for Columbus to go back and have time with the king and queen. Why? Because his son was hungry. And when you come to the church hungry, it'll open up to new worlds. When you come hungry for the things of God, he'll open up to new things. When you come hungry, he'll fill you with the power of his spirit. When you come hungry, when you come to his presence hungry, when you say, I'm hungry, I'm coming hungry, God says, if you're hungry, then I'm going to open up the doors. I'm going to show you things that are beyond what you can imagine. I'm going to reveal new things in your life. I'm going to fill you with the spirit. I'm going to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you come hungry, I'm saying at Faith Assembly, God, help us to remain hungry that we might be filled with the power of God to see our world transformed and to see the kingdom of God at work in our lives. Is that okay with anybody? Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask it one more time. Does this make sense to anybody? Helen, does this make sense? Judy, does this make sense? Bud, does this make sense? Yin? Yeah. Brandon, does it make sense? Church, we've got a job to do, and he's given us the tools to do it. Let me say that one more time. We've got a job to do, and he's given us the tools to do it. So Father, would you, would you right now just hold your hands out like this this morning? This afternoon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this and you're going to be dismissed. They're going to lead us in this song, but would you just hold your hands out like this, this today? Father, would you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit? God, would you baptize us? Lord, would you cause gifts to come alive in our hearts? You've given each of us a gift. God, as we're going to look in your word, you've given us each different gifts. But God, it's the same spirit. So God, would you fill us with the power of your spirit? Come on, just ask him that right now. God, renew. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you fill us? God, would you help us at Faith Assembly to be a church that is decent and in order? That God, we would never let our agenda become limited, but Lord, that our purpose would always be to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. God, that we would never get mistaken to celebrate the how and forget the why. God, help us to grow in wisdom. God, I pray that you would anoint parents and you would give wisdom. I'm praying right now there's a mother that needs wisdom of how to handle her children. God, right now, by your spirit, give wisdom. Give wisdom. Give wisdom. There's a business person. You need wisdom today. God, 
In Jesus' name, give wisdom. God, let your spirit reveal wisdom to us today, God, that we would be led by your spirit. Lord, that we would accomplish your work. God, give us wisdom that we would know what to do, that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.